This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. Hey everyone, this is David. Let's just get right into it today. Welcome back behind the velvet rope because we are joined by the one, the only Jeremy Jordan. Hello. What is going on? How are you today? I'm doing well. Is this audio or video as well? This is going to be audio and video. So everyone's going to see you. Ah, okay, good. Gorgeous kitchen behind you. Lamp over my shoulder. It is a nice little kitchen. It is a nice kitchen. Um, in your East Coast time, I'm having my coffee. Thank you for doing this in the morning. I mean, I my really pleasure. should just start by saying, you know, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, because I mean, <laughs> you know, you're here to talk about your new Hallmark movie, December 18th, Hanukkah That's on right. Rye. How's that? Yeah, how, how, yeah how Hanukkah, Hanukkah on Rye. This is... Uh... I think it's my third Hallmark movie. Um, and, uh, you know, I did a Christmas one a couple of years ago um, and uh, and then got to do this really fun uh, sh- movie last year that we shot in Malta, uh, which was amazing, where I got to play twins. And uh, and this year, so, you know, what, what's what's been kind of fun for me is that after the first initial kind of Christmas movie, um, I, I feel like I've done like a lot of the sort of different Hallmark movies. The first one that I did, the Christmas one, was was less about those sort of romance, although there's always a romance, and more about sort of family. And there was like an adoption and there was a death. It was like really like about creating like chosen family. And then the second one that I did, um, you know, uh, one of the main characters was gay. And so that was really fun, fun to sort of get to be a part of something like that and and trying to sort of expand the horizons in the in the Hallmark world. And then this one, you know, the, you know, we we know that Hallmark churns out the Christmas movies um like just delicious holiday butter. But we uh we got to do the Hanukkah movie this year, which is really exciting. I have Jewish roots and um and so it's it's exciting to sort of get to celebrate that aspect of my life and share that with with people, you know, who either A don't know as much about Hanukkah as they do about Christmas um, or the people that, you know, have been more interested in seeing a part of them themselves um, on in all of these uh, Hallmark holiday movies. I am a nice Jewish boy too, not religious, but still I have Jewish roots. I was so happy to see that there was a Hanukkah movie as part of this lineup this December on Hallmark. Yeah. And, and we, and it's, and it's actually really about, you know, and and one thing I, I I've noticed a lot about Judaism, as opposed to to um you know traditional um you know people that celebrate Christmas and stuff, is is it, it there is a lot of it's it's really rooted in history and in heritage, 
And uh, the movie really celebrates a lot of that. You know, there's there's multiple generations. It's it's my generation, then our parents, and then our grandparents, and then even far beyond that, we start to discover a lot of things about coming over um, to America and and um, all the hardships that that entailed, and trying to find your people and trying to you know feel somewhat comfortable and somewhat at home, and uh, you know it's called Hanukkah on Rye, and so it's about food and how food kind of brings us all together and uh, can help us connect to our past and to our heritage as well. Yes, you're fixed up by a matchmaker with someone and you realize you're both competing <laughs> deli owners. I mean, this is Hallmark. So, you know, of course there's yeah. that in there too. Yeah. It's, it's, what's really fun is it's, it's like one of those movies as well. It's, it's a little bit of a, you've got male situation where one person knows what's happening and is trying to like actively handle all the different situations while the other person is completely clueless. And, uh, and so there's a little bit of missed, there's a lot of missed opportunities and, and like, Oh gosh, if he would have just said this or she would have just done that. It's, it's, so it's, and it's, and it's a, it's a comedy too. So um, we've really like amped up the comedy in this particular movie. So that hopefully there's a lot of laughs as well as, you know, heart and fun. What is it like making a Hallmark movie? I mean, are you a big holiday guy? Yeah, I mean, I love holidays. I I, I certainly don't have anything against uh, the holidays. I mean, who who does? Um, it brings people together. And um, one of the things that I, I noticed, having done a couple of them now, is that it's it can be really viewed very easily as like a very specific kind of person that watches a Hallmark movie. But um, I think... A, the audience has grown tremendously. Um, you know, over the past couple of years, people are kind of looking to watch things that make them happy and smile and and not depressed. You know, there's still niche. And listen, I love a good depressed movie on occasion. But, um, you know, I think the market has really grown for, for feel-good movies and, and they really do a great job at that. And so the audience is so much bigger than I kind of had, you know, not not to uh, I guess I'm well what's the word that I had naively assumed to be you know midwestern housewives you know it's it's not that I mean of course it is that and we love them but it is it is so much bigger than that yeah totally I spoke to Jody Sweet and from Fuller House the other day and she was telling me like some truck drivers were coming up to her and telling her <laughs> how much they love her on like you know like yeah not like just big burly like you know, like truck driver type guys that are telling her how much they love her on Hallmark movies. You, you know, everybody's, that. everybody's got a soft spot inside of them. Maybe they watch, maybe they watch it in private and maybe they celebrate it openly, but I, I think everybody can, can find uh, something um, to love about these kinds of movies. And, and they're, they're really fun and, and quick to make, you know, so it's, it's, um, it's nice and it's and it's great for us actors because you know I, I had to go to Winnipeg to shoot this one and I only really had to leave home and leave my family behind for a few weeks. Um, as so, it's it's a it's a it's a nice, quick, and uh, lovely, and we had a great time shooting it. And, uh, my co-star Yael Groglas is amazing, and uh, we had a blast together. Yale from Jane the Virgin and Lisa Loeb. Mm -hmm. I mean, what a great cast. Yeah, we had a lot of great people and, um, you know, we just made the most of our little trip to Winnipeg and uh, had a blast. Do you have like a favorite other than Hanukkah and Rye, of course, do you have a favorite like Christmas movie? Do you have a favorite Christmas song? Oh, gosh. Um, I mean, there's a lot of great holiday movies out there. Um, but I would say off the top of my head, my favorite is probably... Elf. I loved Elf. I just makes me laugh. I like I like the ones that make me laugh. You know, there's there's I'm all about Christmas cheer, but I'm more about the laughters. And uh, you know, unfortunately there's not like a whole lot of Hanukkah movies out there. So we're hoping to curb that a little bit and make make a few more of those that people can look back on. Um in terms of songs. <laughs> gosh, I'm not sure. There's there I, I I'm I'm definitely one of those people that I'm like it's it's October and you're playing Christmas music. What's happening? So, you know, I'll, I'll take a I'll take a healthy dose of it for a minute and uh, and then move on. Totally. 
Well, speaking of music, were you always, I mean, growing up, was it always music for you? Was it always performing? Like, did you ever have an idea of like, hey, maybe I'll go do something else with my life? Or were you just always focused right from the beginning? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I always liked, I was always like a, in the choir growing up. And, and I did shows at like the local community theater, but I, I don't think I ever thought that I was going to do anything like that with my life. I was like a really sort of brainy kid. I was, um, I was very introverted and I was like into computers and video games. And like, I wanted to be like a scientist or inventor or something like that. And, um, you know, a couple things happened. One, I, I did a couple of like specialty summer camps for that sort of thing. And I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> I don't know if it was the, just that there weren't my people or I, I just it wasn't enjoying myself. And, um, you know, luckily I had people encouraging me and saying that I had something to give um, as a singer and a performer and that there was something there that I should explore. And so, um, you know, I, I was always a singer. That was kind of my main thing. So like I was in choir and I, you know, got a lot of awards and won other competitions and stuff, but um, it was not, you know, it was, it was like choir music, you know? So, and I didn't love that specifically. And, and then I sort of came, came into theater and found musical theater and, and, um, and decided to go to college for that. And, uh, and that's also when I fell in love with acting, which I hadn't really known. I, I thought maybe I could be okay at it, but um, because I was really good at pretending to do things, <laughs> but right. I, you know, I didn't, but I mean, essentially that's what acting is. You're just, you're just pretending, you know, anybody who tells you that they're like, that they've become a character is either a, a little bit, not hundred percent there or be lying to you. They're fake. You're faking it. Um, and it's just the level and the fun and the sort of, and there's of course, you know, uh, a lot of, um, skill involved in, and practice and all that stuff. But it, it's, uh, yeah, I, uh, I came upon it a little bit later than most, but I'm glad I did. Well, your first Broadway production was Rock of Ages. I mean, what was that like? You know, your first Broadway, no matter how big or small the part is, it's still kind of a big deal. Like, what was that time yeah. like in your life? Oh, Rock of Ages was amazing. I mean, it was, I was only like two or three years out of college. And um, I had an agent, um, but I actually went in for an open call. You know, they do open calls on on Broadway and um and got a call back for the swing which is essentially the um the person that covers all the roles and if somebody sick or is on vacation then you go in and uh and i got it i wasn't remotely right for any of the parts but i was just wrong enough to be right for to cover everybody <laughs> you know like oh, you could maybe do this or maybe do that you know, you're like in the middle so perfect you can be the guy that can cover all the parts and uh and so I was really lucky to get something like that pretty quickly in my career and, uh, and, uh, and had a lot of fun doing it. And, um, and then just kind of kept going from there. You know, the holidays could be such a stressful time, especially for relationships, especially for new relationships. How many of you guys are meeting like your significant other's family for the first time this season? Oh my God, don't even get me started. Well, listen, I have help for you guys and it's called Paired. It's a relationship app for couples. It's perfect if you've been dating for years and years or you're just recently seeing someone. Here's how it works. You and your partner download the app, pair together, and Everyday Paired gives you questions and quizzes and games to have fun, stay connected, and it really helps deepen your conversations. You can find out so much about your partner through Paired. It's simple, it's hilarious, and it's really addicting. I can't get off my Paired app. I spend way too many hours a day on this thing. So listen, whether you're just a few dates in or have been together a long time, it's time to lighten the mood and have fun with your partner by using Paired. Head to Paired.com slash Velvet to get a seven-day free trial and 20% off if you sign up for a subscription. Just head to P-A-I-R-E-D.com slash velvet to sign up today. Connect with your partner every day using Paired. A happier relationship starts here. I mean, what does the job of a swing do? Like, I mean, how does that work? I mean, I can't even imagine learning the lines for one part. I mean, I did, <laughs> I did well in school and all that, but still, but yeah. I mean, what you really have to just know every part. 
Well, not every part. I mean, a lot of parts. Yeah, I mean, you usually have like in a Broadway wow. show, you have, you know, four to five swings um, that that through w between them know all the parts. And um, and so I think I learned like five or six. But I mean, you know, it's it's stressful at the beginning because you have to cram it all in. But then once you know it all, you're you're just kind of sitting around waiting. So it's stressful in a different kind of way because you're like, Am I gonna get to do it today? The 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 really the really hard part for me was sitting off stage, and then everybody would come back after intermission and be like, "Oh my god, do you remember what happened? That was crazy." I was like, "What? What happened? I missed it." <laughs> you know, things like that. But um, but it was really fun, and I and the first time I actually the very first time I got to go on, uh, for any part was for the lead role, and so my Broadway debut essentially on stage was for the lead role in a show, and it was. It was pretty incredible. So wow, are you a fan of like that type of music, like Pat Benatar, and you know? Yeah. Oh yeah, give me some '80s music, man. I mean, it's on it's on a regular rotation on my, you know, Sirius XM radio, and I um, yeah, no, I I I I'm a big fan of a lot of different genres of music. So I'm not the most picky in that regard. I'm I I think um the song is you know, well-constructed and I, I'm a really stickler for good lyrics too. So if a song has good lyrics, I don't, don't really care what genre it is. I can usually jam out to it. Do you have I mean, any like- singers really bad. I mean, I'm all about the <laughs> 80s, but do you have any like current favorites, like of the current crop of people like topping the charts? I mean, I'm not so good uh, at a lot of current who do, I don't. I'm not either. Um, I'm not either. I mean, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big Taylor Swift fan um i'm you know i like a lot of the I, I i always grew up listening to like rock music and alt rock and and uh so you know i i i tend to 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 veer a little bit more towards that side of things um so you know i'm you know i love some panic at the disco i'm trying to think of like bigger bands that people know um, I'm always bad at these on the spot interviews things, you know, Taylor Muse. Is, I mean, Taylor Swift yeah, I mean, I was one. just trying to think of like the most recent thing that I really liked, you know, I'm, I'm also like a big vocalist fan. So like, I love Adele. I love, uh, people who are great singers, you know, Bruno Mars, uh, uh, you know, Ed Sheeran, Sam Smith. Like I like people who have really great voices and can sort of tell stories with just their voice. That makes a lot of sense. Well, you went on to do a lot in Broadway, Bonnie and Clyde, Newsies. What is it like being nominated for a Tony for Newsies? I mean, that's got to be a career highlight. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. God, it was so long ago. It was 2012. It was 10 wow. years ago. Uh, it was... Um, it was pretty exhilarating, you know, it, 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 it all happens very fast though. And so like, you know, we had just opened and then uh, the, you know, Tony board announcements come off, come in, came up and uh, I was just tired all the time. Cause you know, you're doing press, you're doing eight shows a week. And then, um, you know, it, it was a lot, it was overwhelming in a lot of ways. So it was nice to kind of like, after that was over to kind of be able to settle in and just do the show, which then of course I then booked the TV show and I was doing a Broadway show and a TV show at the same time, which I don't recommend. I mean, you my, were doing my both wallet was happy. Everything. <laughs> That's gotta be, you know, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of your, the highlights of your Broadway career for me was American Son. I saw it. It was great. Oh. You did, you know, you were doing so many, you know, you did a lot of musicals up to that point. Like mm -hmm. how, like, how did that come to you? Like, did you have any reservations? I mean, it was just such a heavy part. No, I had no reservations. I mean, I, it, I, I not sure how I got it particularly I mean I know my agents of course like pitched me and stuff but I I, I didn't audition I was I was offered it wow. and um you know I of course Carrie Washington is incredible so I would do anything that she asked me to do not that she asked me particularly but maybe I don't know and uh and Steam Cross Pasquale is like a, a huge idol of mine um so it was amazing to work and learn with from him and uh Kenny Leon who's the director um 
taught me so much in the room. And, um, you know, I, I learned a lot that I, um, you know, I had fallen into some habits as a musical theater performer and as like the, a comedy guy, cause I'd done a TV show where I was kind of the comedic thing. Um, so I, it, it really was a great experience for me to kind of reset my, you know, drama roots and find, you know, ground myself and, and really, um, trust material. Cause uh, you know, I, I had worked on a few things that I, I didn't love the source material. So you're always like trying to tweak it just in little ways to make it your own and just to like make it a little bit better or hope to elevate it a little bit. And this was one of the first times in a long time that I felt like I had to elevate myself to reach the material, which was a great challenge and, you know, humbling, but in a good way. Did you learn anything about yourself, like aside from <clears throat> acting, just from this part or this whole experience? Yeah. So American Sun, you know, uh, for people that don't know, I mean, it's on Netflix. If you want to go watch it, we, we filmed it, which was really exciting. Uh, you know, it's about uh, a, a mixed race family um, who've lost their son. He's not come home and they can't find him. So they go to the police station and I play a police officer who is uh, not as helpful as he probably could be in the, in regards to uh, figuring out where this kid went. And, uh, and so I, what was really interesting about the role and about the show is that it was a four character show and everybody has very strong opinions about, you know, their stance on certain political and social and uh, issues in terms of race and in terms of police. And, um, and they all have valid arguments, you know? So you have to sort of find your, it was one of those shows that you watch it and you have to sort of figure out where you stand and it because it's a play and you're kind of in this one act you're not allowed to get up or talk you kind of have to sit there and listen to everybody's side of the story and um and i think for me it was something that was eye-opening to me because i found so many things to connect to in my character which whom in like real life i might not be as connected to uh you know a law enforcement officer who was a bit ignorant on certain issues and very well-meaning guy who's trying to be helpful, but like in being helpful is triggering this, you know, this young black mother who's terrified that her son is dead, you know? So it's like, it's, it, it, it really taught me a lot about how we communicate with each other and how we have to just be very mindful of, other people's experiences of our words and of our actions. And, um, you know, that you have to give yourself and other people a little bit of grace um, in heightened situations like this or in, any, in everyday situations and not just make snap judgments, of course. And then at the same time, you know, not, you know, sacrifice your own integrity, uh, you know, while doing that no but it, it was great i mean you mentioned carrie yes carrie washington mm -hmm. who i mean at that time it was like the height of scandal too which was like i mean she was like the you know what what was it like to work alongside carrie washington she's amazing yeah i mean she is a one-of-a-kind human being who um who sort of is effortlessly just always present and available and kind and um and then of course incredibly talented at the same time and uh never felt judged even when i was you know struggling in moments and um one of the great things that we that we did and uh we had we did it during rehearsal once and we stuck with it and did it every show is that the show starts at a really heightened moment um when she's in the this police waiting room and so, you know, five minutes before the show, we'd both go down and just completely improv an entire scenario as to what happened before the play starts. And um, and it would really help her because she started this whole show by herself. And, um, and it was really exciting for me to get to be a part of that preparation for her every day. And then every day after the show, she just gave me a huge hug and a big smile and because we hated each other on stage, you know, and um yeah, I I can't say enough great things about her. And she brought so many people to the show and and continues to this day, I mean, to to open up so many so many people's eyes and minds to, you know, issues going on in the world. And um 
yeah, couldn't be a bigger fan of hers. Were you a big Scandal fan? Like, have you watched any of the Shonda stuff, like Grey's Anatomy? I did not watch Scandal. My wife watched every episode. I I watched Grey's Anatomy for a long time, uh, for like probably the first half of it. Although I don't even know what season they're in now, but I stopped after a while. And uh, you know, I've watched the Bridgerton stuff. Um, no, but I never watched again Scandal. Of course, I'd seen her in other things, like movies and things that she had done. But. Well, one day, if your wife wants to go down that road again, I suggest that you just <laughs> you, you just need just like, binging it. You just need a couple of weeks. And Grey's Anatomy is in, in its 19th season. So I think that one, wow. you, might be, you might be lost on that one unless you have like yeah. six months of your life. I just don't. I'm not with a three-year-old. <laughs> you, you, you were lucky if we get in one episode of something in the evening after she goes to bed before we're like, you know, just out. It's it's really hard. Is it when is it hard to play a character that, you know, like you said, like has different maybe beliefs than you or maybe isn't liked by like the general masses of the audience? Like, is that or is that your job as an actor to kind of humanize this person and, you know, find what's likable about them? Yeah, of course, it's difficult. And I think that's what's great and exciting about it is that is the challenge, you know, and um, that was part of my sort of learning process is that I kept trying to to make him likable, you know. I kept trying to like add little like quirky bits, you know, and and it would work. The audience would laugh and I'd be like, oh, they like me. And then, you know, the director would pull me back and said, it's okay if the audience doesn't like you. Like, that's fine. And what was really bizarre to me is, is um, you know, we had a lot of amazing people come to that show, you know, uh, Oprah and Michelle Obama and so many other people in the, you know, famous people and people in the political realm and people who had lost children. And, and uh, I realized very quickly that I, cause I wanted to have, meet everybody. Cause I was like so excited and to hear their thoughts. And uh, I found it very quickly that they didn't want to meet me <laughs> because, you know, the show had a very thick emotional hangover. And uh, you know, when they were coming backstage, they were still in the thick of dealing with what they just saw. And I was in sort of a negative aspect of that. And so I, just kind of learned to go on my way um but and it but it was a it was a great learning learning experience and I, and I think playing characters that are different from myself are is always more exciting I think you know uh when I did Supergirl like that character more than anything was probably like me and I had a lot of fun with it but I I never felt like it was super challenging you know so it's it's good to be challenged every once in a while Do you guys know that the holidays are the busiest and most stressful time of the year? Well, this year, I'm calm and cool and collected thanks to Talkspace. Talkspace offers both therapy and psychiatry right from the comfort of my phone. I can reach out to my provider anytime, anywhere. And let's face it, there's a lot of family involved during the holiday season. Well, listen, with Talkspace, I'm able to talk out all of my family issues. There's no more need to commute to appointments and miss time at work and line up and wait. It's right from the comfort of your own home or phone from wherever you are. It's mental health care made easy. You just easily sign up online and you get a personalized match with a provider that's right for you. And you don't have to wait for that. That usually happens within 48 hours. As a listener behind the velvet rope, you get $100 off your first month with Talkspace when you go to Talkspace.com slash velvet. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com slash velvet to get a hundred dollars off your first month that's right talkspace.com slash velvet tis the season we are in the thick of it guys are you guys having fun this holiday season well i am because everyone's getting a gift from lululemon i mean lululemon's really the only brand that i wear their abc slim fit pant for men oh my god it's not just that they're so comfortable and they move so freely they're so versatile you can wear them to work out you can wear them to like a fancy event a business meeting and you know what All the women in my life are getting Lululemon. All these housewives that we talk about all day. You guys know I'm friends with a lot of them. They're all getting Lululemon. Now, listen, I'm not going to get them workout pants or or anything like that because I can't be guessing everyone's size. I can make a lot of faux pas that way, right? But Lululemon has so many great accessories. So all these housewives, I'm going to choose between the women's socks, yoga mats, water bottles, scarves, keychains, gloves, mittens, hair accessories, bags, belt bags. Should I keep going? It's a one-stop shop for your holiday shopping, lululemon.com. 
So for everyone in your life this holiday season, just go to lululemon.com. You'll be shocked at how much variety there is. And they have great deals too. Enjoy, have a great holiday, lululemon.com. Wow, I thought you were going to say like when Michelle Obama and Oprah, when they came back, it was just Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. But it really was like what? They didn't want to meet you because of your character? No, no. Well, not Michelle Obama and Oprah. They, they we, I got to meet them. But um, And it wasn't that people didn't get to meet me. I just like could feel their, I could feel people's, you know, pain. And because they just saw me on stage for, you know, 90 minutes being uh, a sor- partial source of that. Yeah. Um, you know, experience. Um, it's hard for people to come out of that and just be like, oh, you're a real person. You're a real actor. And I didn't I never faulted anybody for that. I totally understood. You know, it's it's uh, it's hard. It's hard to, to pull yourself out of that when you're experiencing something that's really visceral. Well, it's actually a huge compliment to your acting that it's like it's, still, you know, I'll just I'll take that. I'll take it like that. Take exactly. It. Before take it we, and run. take it and run before we move on from American Son, like what is a Michelle Obama or an Oprah like when they're backstage meeting you? Uh, well, Michelle Obama is very tall, um, but um, no, they were they were very gracious. We we, you know, when someone that's that big, you know, you, we all gathered on the stage and took a picture and um they were just really kind and, and really gracious and, um, you know, are, are always trying to encourage us to keep doing and telling these important stories. And, um, and yeah, I, I, I wish, I mean, I, I had a, got to have a drink or, but I, you know, it wasn't anything like that. Interesting. Well, you mentioned like, you know, American Sun was like some material that you were so excited to do because you were doing some things that, you know, maybe, you weren't as into the material. Were you, are you referring to anything in particular? Yeah. Like, you know, I was on, um, I was on Supergirl for a couple of, for a few years and uh, I, I had a blast doing it. And it wasn't that I wasn't like into the material. I love super superhero stuff, but it, you know, it's, it's less challenging, you know, when you're doing a character and you, you're kind of like comedic and doing bits here and there, you know, and you're just, um, you're trying to find ways to, to make more of it and, you know, to like give, to give it an extra boost and an extra jolt of excitement. Um, and it's fun to do those kinds of things. Um, don't get me wrong, you know? And then of course I've done so many like little um, readings of new shows and new plays and at varying degrees of, of, you know, great, or maybe needs a little bit more work. And, and uh, at the end of the day, when you do these little presentations, you know, you, you have to try to make it as good as possible. So you're, you're constantly working to try to improve it. And some, and many times it does improve it. And sometimes you get improved. Sometimes they're in really early, early stages. And so you do, you're doing a lot of work trying to figure out how to make this the best it can be. Whereas something like American sun was, was really, really good to begin with. And of course, you know, we, we hopefully improved it even more and made some, you know, adjustments as during the process, but um, you know, you're not going to mess too much with Shakespeare, not saying it was Shakespeare, but you know, but you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. uh, it, there, there, there are certain things that, um, and I, and I think plays are really specific in that way, you know, because plays often are, you, the playwright will spend, you know, a year plus working on 90 to two hours, 90 minutes to two hours of material and that's their focus and everything is crafted so specifically where like as in the TV world, things are written and then next week you got to write a new one. It, and, and, and everybody, you know, often knows that, you know, you're not going to have a perfect product. So it's always in transition. It's always like changing and mutating and tr- trying to find the best possible version of it before you have to just move on to the next one. And, and it's in the can, you know, um, so That's I think true. And, and with films too, I think films too are, are, you know, there's a lot of time and energy spent more time and energy spent on perfecting the source material that you don't have to do as much in that regard. That makes a lot of sense to me. Well, speaking yeah. of TV, where does smash fall in the realm of things like you've enjoyed things you're proud of? I loved working on smash. Um, I was really sad that we only had to do, we only got two seasons and, um, and ask anybody, every, everybody's still, every, it be, has become a bit of a cult favorite now. And, and it was huge in other countries. Um, 
of course, that didn't determine whether we got picked up because after the fact, after, you know, showing the countries are like, well, where's the next season? We're like, well, people didn't watch it in America because they're where, who knows why, um, but they should have. Um, but we, um, it was great for me. I mean, it was my first um, series regular on a TV show and I learned so much and it was a great sort of transition for me coming from theater and stage and Broadway, getting to, um, you know, do something on film, but like it was completely intermingled with what I already knew. And so I really just got to kind of slip right in there and, and feel very comfortable in that world. And uh, I met some of my most amazing best friends doing the show. And um, yeah, we had a blast. What, what was great was that we filmed almost all of season two before we premiered. And so by the time we premiered and things weren't looking as great in the ratings, um, we had at least had a great time filming most of it. And then by the end, um, there was a significant sort of change in the energy of the set for the last few episodes. And, you know, our budget went down and we got switched to Saturdays or something. I was like, what? It was, it was, so it was kind of a sad ending, but um, we're, I'm just grateful we got to, to finish the season. Did you guys like talk about it? Like, and why do you think, like you mentioned, I mean, I agree. Loved it. I mean, it had like, listen, Catherine McPhee and you and Megan Hilty and Deborah Messing. Come on. This should be like a, this should be five plus years of a show. We have Grey's Anatomy <laughs> on its 19th season. Like, why do you think, and like, did you talk to these co-stars of yours? Like, what was the consensus amongst people? You know, uh, well, there was a bunch of things. I mean, I, I think in the, in the Broadway community, it was so hot and cold in terms of its reception like uh, there was people would hate watch it you know and I I don't I don't I can't think of anything before that that people would hate watch other than you know like the news <laughs> but like people would watch it specifically just to kind of like pick at it and pull it was like every episode was like you know TMZ um, and so it was it was very it was very bizarre in that in that regard, um, because, you know, you have to you have to have a certain degree of, you know, shifting timelines of how things actually work and um, to infuse more drama and to make things sort of move along on the course of a television season, um, as opposed to how things happen in real life. And, and some people really took a lot of offense at that which uh you know it we all knew what we were doing and we we're trying to make something that was fun and exciting and got people to be interested in in musicals and, and i and i also think uh, another thing that happened was that there were so many people that loved the show so much behind the scenes and production and the writers the actors that everybody had their own ideas on how to make it work and um and a lot of times those ideas were conflicting and so what ended up on the screen was often like a weird compromise of a lot of people's ideas instead of, um, you know, letting one or two people really take the lead and and having a really centralized vision of, of what to do. And so people picked up on that. And and I, I, I can't even begin to speculate what was happening, you know, behind the scenes at the network. I don't, I'm just the lowly actor. So, you know, I, there wasn't a a whole lot of advertising for season two. And I know advertising is a big, at least back then, you know, cause this was before, or this is like right when Netflix was starting to do streaming. So like, it wasn't, it, people were still just watching regular TV at this point. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been, it was, it was a really interesting thing, but we were definitely right on that sort of crux of like, what is the show? What should it be? And how should we present it to the world? And, Somewhere in there, something was lost to the American audiences and, uh, you know, the show. It didn't. Quits. Yes. And like, to your point, I mean, I guess you're right. Like a lot of people did. I didn't even really think about that. Like certain people did hate watch it. You know, I mean, that's, that wasn't yeah. a thing now. I mean, I don't know if you watch Real Housewives, if your wife does, Kardashians. I mean, there's a lot of hate watching in that genre yeah. today. Yeah. Yeah. In that genre too, and which is even wilder to me, because that's, those are real people. At least we are fake, <laughs> you know, like I can't even imagine being in that position. Um, but it was hard for me because 
I was my first real exposure to negative social media, um, you know, vibes, you know, I, I had done a lot of Broadway and of course, you know, Broadway people have their own opinions about stuff too, but it is overall an extremely generous and giving community of, of, of people online and, 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 you know, fans that, you know, always just want to continue to uplift um, people that are doing shows and uh, you know, there's always going to be negative things and bad reviews and stuff, but it, 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 it was just overwhelmingly positive. At, at least when people would talk to me or mention me and things. And um, you know, at that point I, I hadn't learned social media. Um, what's the word, you know, where you, where you moderation, Close. self, self, self-moderation of social media. I've just read everything and, and, accepted everything good and bad <laughs> and was like well they must be right <laughs> and uh so it it became a little bit of a it I, I it was hard to kind of push away some of the there was so much positive response as well I can't I can't say that that wasn't a thing but you know when you're still relatively green you know I was you know still in my 20s at that point and um and I you know I I went down some some dark paths uh, you know listening to what people had to say about certain ideas and opinions about my work specifically or the show itself and uh it was hard you know I, I always watched the episodes with my wife because I knew that I had somebody there with me to kind of reinforce me positively so that was good um but at the same time she then was like stop reading the things <laughs> she's like you're doing great but but when you know someone's telling you you're doing great and then you turn around and you're reading a bunch of negative stuff and only listening to that negative stuff it's 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 a weird it's hard it's it's hard to, to give it's hard to uplift someone when that is stuck in a s- social media spiral you know so I had to learn how to pull myself out of that because so I, I had a few dark days there and now you're good with that. Cause right. Like, and it's true. Like, let's face it. If you get like a hundred good, positive things, you're going to remember that one comment that mm-hmm. was not good. That's just how we are as humans. Now yeah. you're better about like, cause I'm I really so disengage too. Like it doesn't bother me at all now. Yep. I, well, and I didn't think I was ever going to be able to do this, but I stopped reading reviews. And I started that with American sun actually, because I knew it was going to be divisive. Um, and it was a little bit before it's time, not, so much but it wasn't like before the black lives matter movement and there were of course so many people that were you know um that were you know advocating for better policing and racial profiling and stuff like that but it was you know when 2020 happened and and uh, during the pandemic when there was you know much bigger movement that's that's sort of when it was a bit more sort of, I think, I think it would have, it was received so much better when it was on Netflix at that point than it was in the theater. I don't know if people were really ready to be sort of hit so viscerally with this, even in 2018 when we did the show. So, um, but at the same time, I, I kind of had the foresight to tell myself, don't worry about what other people think, just embrace what you're doing and continue to do the work that you and you know set out to do with your company and your fellow actors and your director and uh it was so liberating and I was like not even remotely you know concerned with what other people were saying and you know of course you hear great things at the stage door so that's always nice and people don't tend to you know say negative stuff there so it's a safe environment and um and I haven't I mean except for when somebody's like here, read this review. It's amazing. Here, take this. I promise there's nothing bad. Great. Okay, fine. You know, I, otherwise, I just don't seek them out anymore, which is um, has been very liberating for me. That is liberating. What about before we move on from Smash? Any, like, what was it like working, like, with Deborah Messing, Angelica Houston? Any stories from set that you remember? I mean... Yeah, well, I mean, I unfortunately didn't really get to work with either of them. I, I had one or two scenes with Deborah. Um, who was a hoot and hilarious and um, just a huge personality. And we had, we had a lot of fun. Uh, I never really got to know Angelica. We we were, you know, I was on the alternate storyline. So like, I'd never got to work with Megan Hilty. Um, Although, you know, we've, 
we've had other interactions outside of the show, but um, it's mostly Catherine McPhee. It's mostly Catherine McPhee and uh, Andy Mantis and Crystal Rodriguez, who are two of my great friends now. And um, uh, I did a lot of stuff with Jack Davenport, which was great. And um, you know, it was it was I had a lot of fun. I mean, we just we were always laughing and being goofballs, and uh, and uh, I never felt judged on the show. Um, you know, there was a lot of singing and and you know shenanigans off stage but at the same time you know um we were really working hard because for a lot of us this was our first big thing and so um we were really kind of dialed in on trying to make it as best as possible as an actor like is there just a carte blanche you could work with anyone movie tv like just an actor or two like is there anyone you would just love to act opposite i mean the sky's the limit it could be anyone trying to think um yeah give me a second um i mean i would love to do something with like uh <laughs> where's my mind going where's just let it just let it roam just let it roam freely where's go no judgment my mind here. my mind immediately goes to like a claire danes i think she's incredible um in terms of like men i think of um, you know, like a John Hardy or a Robert Downey Jr. People who are really good with drama, but like have just this incredible internal comedic thing. You know, of course, I my my number one would have been Robin Williams, but before he passed, I mean, I, that was like one of my biggest idols. Uh, Jim Carrey, but I know that maybe that has that might have changed over the past i don't know i've heard i mean i'm sure he's amazing but um uh i don't know gosh that's a tough one i I have so much respect for so many incredible amazing performers out there olivia coleman i think is amazing she's got that like great dramatic sensibility but also is incredible at comedy i just really like the people who can kind of walk that fine line between comedy and and drama and um and um, like immediately veer off to one or the other and you don't even know um okay oh what's the guy's name from um from uh fleabag and from the sherlock Holmes series oh, gosh what's his yeah. name he's amazing too you know he like plays the bad guy in sherlock Holmes, and he's like the preacher in fleabag yeah i can't think of his name. name either i always forget his name i think he's amazing too those are so. good those are good options well listen where my brain is going no i mean claire danes robert downing jr i mean sign me up i mean i'm all for that well listen in addition to hanukkah on rye you have you have lots of other projects coming out talk to me about spinning gold which is coming out next year yeah we finally got a release date for spinning gold which i started working on almost four years ago um they first approached me at the beginning either at the end of 2018 or the beginning of 2019. Um, And we started filming it in the spring of 2019. And uh, and then we had a couple snafus and uh, finished it last summer. And uh, so it's finally coming out. And it's a, you know, it's a big project for me. And I played the lead role in this uh, big music biopic that's about... uh, a record executive during the sort of disco early rock era um or well mostly just the disco era i will say like in the 60s and early 70s um named neil bogart who who um helped sort of develop and discover a lot of big bands including kiss and donna summer parliament uh bill withers uh, all these amazing um people um and he worked with gladys knight he worked with the isley brothers I mean, the list goes on and on, the village people and uh, and uh, just helped create all of this amazing music. And, and the story is uh, written and told and directed by his son, um, Tim Bogart, who, um, you know, sort of tackled this project with utter tenacity. And the story really is about this guy who who um, who believes so deeply in what he thinks is good 
in terms of like music and in terms of, you know, what's going to hit and what people he, but he's kind of ahead of the curb and nobody really wants to believe him. And, and he basically just makes it happen with sheer force of will. You know, he gambles way more money than he could ever pay back in hopes of, you know, trying to, to get these things to work and, um, you know, nearly loses his life, uh, a couple times in the process, um, but sort of miraculously makes these things happen. And uh, it's a really, it's a story of sort of tenacity and self will, but also it's a cautionary tale because, you know, he sacrifices a lot on the way in terms of his family, in terms of his friendships and his relationship with other people. And, uh, you know, it really makes you sort of appreciate, I think the music from that era in a much different kind of way, because, it shows you how easily a lot of that music could have never happened and would have never made it, to, you know, uh, to our ears and part of the, you know, uh, soundtrack of our lives at this point. So um, it's really fascinating kind of character study. And it was really um, challenging and amazing and fun to, to get to play this uh, character that most people in the world have no idea ever existed. Um, although he was very notorious in the community, people that do know him. <laughs> I've talked to a few people that were like, oh, you're playing that guy. Interesting. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, and I think we tell the story in a really cool way, kind of play with time and in a really interesting way. And I get to sing a little bit here and there. And he, he, he tried to be a singer early on in his career. Uh, it didn't work out, but um, you know, he, you can kind of tell that he, always longed to be on the stage, but kind of was relegated to being behind the scenes and had to make his peace with that. And, uh, and part, of, I think part of the reason he was so successful is because he was determined to succeed at something. And um, it's a really cool story. Did you have an appreciation for 70s music before this? I mean, who doesn't love a little Donna Summer? <laughs> Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, I knew a lot of it. I didn't know all of it, but I mean, I certainly knew a lot of it. I mean, you know, my parents grew up listening to that music and, uh, you know, I'd certainly heard most of the songs, but I definitely had a much bigger appreciation for it afterwards. And what's great is in the movie, we have um, modern artists um, portraying all of these characters. You know, um, we have Lettucey playing Gladys Knight. Uh, this great uh, young artist named Taylor Parks playing Donna Summer, uh, you know, Sam Harrison from, uh, from what's the band that he's in? Uh, Ex-Ambassadors is, is Kiss and Casey Likes. They're both in Kiss. And Casey's like this young guy who's just starting this Broadway show and uh, almost famous. And then, you know, we have Bill Isley's played by, um, um, why is my brain not working? <laughs> D. There's a D. <laughs> You're asking Jason Derulo. Oh, Jason Derulo. Yes. And we have Wiz Khalifa uh, playing um, George Clinton from Parliament. So, like, we have all these great sort of modern stars. I'm going to brush up on this before I start to impress with this movie. <laughs> um, um, and uh, it's, uh, it's, really, it's really exciting. So it's going to be like a cool soundtrack and everything. Is it true that Justin Timberlake was supposed to play the lead role? Uh, yeah, I think so. For for like a long a long time ago, this movie's been kicking around for like almost twenty years or something crazy. Wow! Like that. And I, I think it was like with Sony at one point, and for whatever reason, um, that situation changed, and uh, they look looking for a new guy, and here comes here, this guy. Here uh, you are. Is yeah. there a lot of pressure? Like you said, like you're number one on the call sheet, like leading, do you feel that as like you lead up to doing press for this movie or is it now like you do, you do the project, you do the press, or is there something different about, you know, headlining a major movie? I don't know. Ask me in four months, but I, I'm not worried about that aspect of it. No, I'm excited about it. I mean, I've, I've been thinking about it for almost four years now. And so I'm just like, Let's go because you know I, I'm excited. It's 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 a really big opportunity for me. It's the biggest thing I've ever done by far, um, you know. And so um, I'm just really excited to to share it with the world. I've seen and I I think it's really special, and um, 
you know, I, I hope everybody else agrees. And, um, you know, I'm just excited to see people's reaction and where that goes. And, and then where I go from there, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a wild prospect that I've, that I'm excited to finally get to see what that means. You know, I've, I've been thinking about it for years now. I was like, what's this going to be like, you know? And uh, I get to finally sort of realize that hopefully in a good way. <laughs> Just don't read, you know, you're not going to read the reviews good or bad. So but- No, no, I won't. I won't. There's going to be so many and I'm just going to be like, I'm sure people will send me something, email me like, oh my God, look at this. Great. Just send me the cliff notes, clip the good parts and then send that to me. That'd be great. Well, I'll ask you all about it. You'll just have to come back on this podcast and we can talk all about it. Great. Hallmark, you know, speaking of this Hallmark movie, Hallmark is such a, it's such a guilty pleasure for so many people. Like we said, like, do you have guilty pleasures? Like, are you into like certain TV shows that you love? Like, what are your, what do you watch in your? Oh, yeah. I'm a, I'm a big, I am a, a card carrying member of Bachelor Nation. Um, and so I <laughs> watch all that stuff. So, um, yeah, so I love do, that. See, you're like into the reality genre, just not house. I, I am, I'm into the young people <laughs> and they're, and desperately trying to find love because it's, it's less about, you know, let's troll these people. And it's more about like, let's watch these people try to figure out if a, they know what they're doing and, and how to do it and b like, there's often so much growth within these shows too. And you see people really learn about themselves and, and um, I don't know, maybe it's just because I've been in a long relationship. I mean, my wife and I've been together for over 13 years now and um, it's nice to sit back and be like, "Eh, I don't have to do that anymore. And uh, I don't know. Yeah. It's definitely a, a guilty pleasure. I mean, there's something sort of oddly satisfying about it. And uh you know, of course, there are many times that I sit there and I'm like, I don't understand how these people can be okay with their lives being like so transparent. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, but it's, it's kind of, it's kind of um, beautiful in, in many ways too. So like, you know, of course, and then I watched, you know, Love is Blind. I watched Too Hot to Handle, <laughs> which is the guiltiest of the pleasures because, you know, and uh f boy island i haven't watched that one i uh yeah i know there's so many i'm like should i start a new one or i think i i think i have enough those are those are good <laughs> i mean those are you like like the young hot people that are dating on tv i get it and you're such a positive yeah. spin that you put on it that they learn something about themselves during this that's such an optimistic view of the whole genre yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't lie and say I don't enjoy the sort of, you know, watching train wrecks happen. But I, I feel that maybe, and maybe it's happening more now uh, lately, is that I do feel that people are more aware of it, and like you're seeing a lot of, you know, people standing up for each other, and almost always when people are trolls or they're kind of crappy or like not great human beings to one another they get called out for it. And, uh, and you watch people's either taking that and, and learning and trying to become better people or be just further spiraling down into a, you know, a dark hole. And, and often more often than not, I feel like people do learn from it and try at least try to become better. And so, you know, there is a, there are positive messages within those shows too. And, you know, I have to sort of believe that in this age of social media and, um, you know, Uber connectivity that there are positive things to be gained from it, uh, you know, other than just trolling and bullying and and negative self-image, you know. Uh, I would hope so. Is there anything on Broadway, you know, that you really want to see? Like everyone's flocking to Leah Michelle and Funny Girl. Like, is there some, have you seen that yet? Is there anything in particular on your list of Broadway shows that you want to see? Uh, I am so behind on the Broadway uh, shows. I've not seen so many things. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of things I would like to see. Um, you know, I really want to see, um, well, I have a lot of friends in Almost Famous, so I really want to see that. Um, I was a little bit hesitant 
to see the MJ show, but I've heard so many great things that I think I, I would, I would like to see that. Um, you know, they just opened top dog underdog on Broadway, which is one of my absolute favorite plays. And I love that show. Um, what else, what else is on Broadway? I don't even know. Those are good. Um, um, yeah, those, that'll be my answer for now. Cause I just, I, I have, without looking at a list, I'm just like, I kind of hesitated on MJ as well, but I'm coming around to like, I should just see it at this point. Cause everyone else is raving about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I still haven't seen Hades town, which I've, I'm desperate to see. And I love the soundtrack. That's um, a good one. I feel like I would love that, that kind of, that's like definitely my kind of show. Well, even though it's only November, as we prepare for Hanukkah, but it might be, it will probably be December by the time people are listening to this and Hanukkah and Rye is coming out on December 18th on Hallmark. Like, what are you and your wife and your daughter? Like, would you have any holiday plans? Any big plans for the holidays? Did you guys keep Well, you know, for, yeah. I mean, well, my wife is very much big into Christmas and, um, you know, I grew up kind of celebrating both Hanukkah and Christmas. So I have my beautiful little menorah. And so I still do that sort of thing. And I'm so excited to share that little tradition with my daughter. And um, otherwise, you know, we, we decorate the place. Um, this year we're staying home. Um, sometimes we go off with family, but this year we're going to stay home and keep it a low key Christmas just with us. And um, so I'm excited just to, to have a chill Christmas. Last year we went to Florida with my wife's family and my wife and my daughter and I all got COVID and we were stuck in Florida for two weeks and we couldn't wow. come home uh, because we had COVID and uh, you know, we were in a rental for part of it. And then we couldn't get another rental because everything was booked. And so we ended up staying with her parents, which is fine. But I was like secluded because I was the last person to get it. So I was just like, stuck on the balcony for a week wow <laughs> they had like a, you know a little covered thing but it, so it was a it was a it was a bit of a mess of a holiday and so it'll be nice just to be calm and and uh you know just stay local trying to like trying to build some new traditions too so we, we, we've been sort of brainstorming what we can do to you know to come up with the with the jordan family what the Jordan family holiday looks like. And, um, and so I'm excited to, to start figuring that out too. So, um, you know, I'm just excited to be home and be with my wife and my kid and my dog who, you know, is bark, who, who growls like a cooing bird. And um, she made yeah. a cameo. So there you go. Yeah. Yeah. She loves her cameos. Well, hopefully one of the traditions is that there will be another Hanukkah Rye Part 2, another Hanukkah movie next season <laughs> on Hallmark because yeah, you're in the I'd Hallmark family. So, I mean, let's just keep going now. I'd do it. I would do it. I uh, yeah, I would work, you know, in a moment with, with uh, we haven't even talked about my lovely co-star, Yael Groglis, who is just amazing. And, um, and we had the absolute best time and... Um, just became really close in our very short time together. And um, so, yeah, sign me up. Did you know her? Like, did you, cause you overlapped, like Jane, the Virgin was on the same time Supergirl was on. Ish. She actually did a couple episodes of Supergirl. So we had met, but I didn't, I didn't really know her. I mean, we had maybe talked for like 10 to 15 minutes, you know, six years ago. <laughs> so, um, so no, but we instantly, we, we connected, um, pretty quickly and we had a lot in common and we both are obsessed with escape rooms so we did like seven when we were there wow <laughs> who's better yeah. at an escape room you or her i, I mean I, i'm really yeah she'll tell you i am but she's really good and and really good at like very specific she like has her niche which is always really important when you're in an escape room i'm kind of like the i kind of like always take a leadership role and delegate and this 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 and she's like okay I can do this thing really good you know it was it, we had a lot of fun and a lot of people we did it with the director and her husband was there so we did it with him and our producer came with us and we had we had a fun time well when you're done doing your binge of scandal treat yourself to a binge of jane the virgin gail's probably the best part of the whole damn series i know i've watched just... i've watched a, a little bit of it and um because i well I, I didn't watch before but 
I was like, well, I have to see, I have to see what this person is all about. So yeah, she's amazing. She's so funny and such a great comedic actress too. So, um, yeah. you know, we had a blast. Yes. And yes. Well, listen, congratulations on this movie. It was great. Tis the season. You. And you know, when your movie comes out next year, Spinning Gold, you'll definitely have to come back. I really appreciate your time. Of course. My pleasure, man. Have a great day. Say hi to your dog for me. I will. Hey. Take care. <laughs> have Bye. a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.